Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Happy to be here, man. Excited to be here. Two different worlds colliding from New Zealand in America. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, I've just given our listeners a little bit of background about you. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your, your background? Not much. You know, I, I'm happy to be here and I'm an entrepreneur at heart and grew up as an entrepreneur and 20 years later still starting companies. And I think last night I had a major idea on a new NFT project that I took to my team yesterday and of course, they mainly get upset at me because it's another ideas company we have to start, but I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I love every minute of it. And so those ideas, do they come through often from you? They, unfortunately or fortunately, have you look at it, a lot of times they do. I have learned throughout the years how to decipher and kind of filter those. A lot of times you can get shiny object syndrome and chase different things too often. And where I'm at now, obviously it changes as you get bigger and bigger into companies, business. But, you know, you think about it right now is going into leadership even a little bit here is learning as a leader of a team, which decisions to make that have massive potential and which ones, yes, you can make something off of. Yes, you could do something. But is it, what is it going to cost your staff, your team, your employees? What's the rippled effect of that as a leader just to go do this other thing? So there's definitely a process and a filter I have to go through now as I've grown. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I find that there's a lot of people out there, entrepreneurs, leaders, and that they procrastinate and they don't get on with something. Or they're the other end whereby, as you said, the shiny thing, they're on to the next thing and they don't finish something or they don't have the team behind them to, to sort of clean up and actually bring it and bring it to life. Yeah. What's one or two thoughts or one or two things you might suggest to people who are procrastinating in something or that they have too many shiny things? What should they do? Yeah, obviously those are two different ends of the spectrum, right? And it's really, I would tell people, I think it's just part of your DNA. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily something that's negative or bad. It's just kind of who you are. And there's all kinds of tests and stuff that you can take to try to clarify stuff for you. But for me, I'm a person that needs very little, what's called information to actually make a decision. I can look at the idea, the vision and the concept, and I'm willing to make a a decision on that, which Mm is great because I can move fast and I'm willing to move quick on a topic. Negative is if you're not careful, you'll get into shiny object syndrome and you'll start chasing things because it's a, oh, there's new, especially when you're young and you're just starting into it mm. because everyone will get a great idea. So the advantage is you're quick, but you're also double out short. You can make a, a lot of bad decisions, jumping in too many things at one time. To that person, I would say, find out of all the little ideas that are coming through, put the filters in place. And one of the filters that I always, always start with right now in business is, do I actually love this thing? Do I enjoy this concept? If I wouldn't build this, it's not about money. Would I actually enjoy doing this? I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught 
and even leaders get caught in doing something they don't like because they started to go down a path. And even though they may find financial success, they're still not happy with what they're doing. On the flip side of it would be analysis paralysis side, which is where you have to have all the details and all the information to make a decision. And there's, again, double-edged sword there, but those people struggle a lot of obviously just getting anything off the ground because there's no way as a leader, you're going to have, always have all the information. It doesn't exist. You're having to use your gut and sometimes make educated guesstimates with as much data as you can get, but there's always going to be that X factor. And for people that are too engineered, wired, they have to have every X and O attached. They struggle a lot in making decisions and entrepreneurship as well as leadership, of course. There you go, listeners. You've heard it. What a start to the episode. I mean, crikey. At the end of it, what I'm hearing from both sides of that kind of scenario there, Andrew, is make a decision. Whether you procrastinate, make a decision. It's never going to be perfect. And then on the other side, if it's a shiny thing, make a decision, but you know, have those filters as well. So pretty cool. Very good. Hey, look, I asked this question here and some people sort of think about how did you get into leadership? More of a natural process. You know, I, I think all, in my opinion, I think leaders, a couple of things here, and I'll go a little bit philosophical here with you. I think leaders are born. I think there's something that's inside of them that it's a natural instinct for them. However, great leaders, I don't believe ever look for the leadership roles. They just do what they do. And part of a, a great leader is knowing how to make decisions, what we just talked about. And because people in a broad stroke struggle with making decisions, it naturally leaders who can make decisions have learned how to filter or program themselves to be able to make decisions kind of naturally rise to the top inside of corporations and so forth because they're willing to make decisions. So I think great leaders, I think a lot of leaders are born. Now, I'm not saying that you can't even become a leader, but there is a difference between a naturally talented leader and then a leader that has read, studied, listened, and became a leader. And then of course, the best leaders are the ones that are naturally born. And then they spend time reading, listening, study, and sharpening that sword, if you will, to a gift that they have to become a leader. So for me, leadership was as an entrepreneur, as my companies grew, it put me in a you know natural role where I had to be willing to make decisions and became, through that, became a leader, basically. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Very good. And your le favorite leader, you know, this person can from alive or from history, who's your favorite leader and why? I was thinking about this question and it's hard because I have two that mm -hmm. I want to give you. And one, one for the audience will mean very little, but the other one, maybe a little bit more. Honestly, as I thought through this and I love reading and studying and behind my wall, you can't see it, not the wall here, but the one other side, I have original autographs from some of the greatest entrepreneurs that have ever lived on my wall behind me, original autographs chased down from the 1800s and, and generals of war, et cetera. But I think that when I thought that question, honestly, the first thing that came to my mind, it was actually just my father. And part of that is because there's two things in life. There's impact, and there's influence. And those are the same things. Impact as a leader is when you go very deep with a person, but it's very narrow. Meaning when you create impact in someone's life, you cannot impact everybody's life. Impact is going very deep in a relationship, but very narrow. You're only gonna be able to reach so many people. And then there's influence, which is where influence is very wide. And you can have a lot of influence as a leader but they're kind of shallow and not, not that they're a shallow person, but the relationship is not in depth as say my father's was because it was impact driven. And without getting more into my father, because again, I don't think it maybe applies to all the people, but the word that I would give you the most uh, that he taught me was the word discernment. And I think in life, there's a very key word that we have to understand is called discernment. And it's a unique word that a lot of people struggle with or don't understand. And it was something my father always had. It was a gift of his and he always tried to pass down. The other one though, that I love to study is actually 
a leader named Nick Saban. And for those that don't know him, he's the college football coach of Alabama. And the reason that I love studying Nick Saban is because as a leader, when you create an environment of winning as a team, it is one thing for a leader to win. It is one thing for a leader to get to the top position. It is another thing for a leader to be able to stay at the top. Those are not the same things. There's always people that can shoot up very fast, get to the top, if you will, and then they can't stay there. Watching a leader in a high pressure situation be able to stay continuously at that top position and rarely falter is an incredible, I mean, that is, it is one of a kind. And I love from the background watching him and what he does and teaches of how to have that sustained success. Well, you know, Dennis, I was, the terms we use, I was a military brat when I was young. So I grew up in a military family. I ended up in the military. I was an M1 tank commander in the army and, you know, really left when I left the military and started in my corporate career, which obviously led to a lot of what I'm doing today. Yeah. I ended up in the rental industry for about 16 years overseeing sales and operations. So dealt with a lot of that in large organizations in the rental industry. The company Melissa and I run today, Rollins Performance Group is now in our 10th year of business somehow. I don't know how that happened, but so we've been doing this for going on 10 years where we work with people just to develop their communication skills and sales and leadership. Yeah, great. And I, and I know Melissa as well, wonderful couple listeners who always give so much to people, which is brilliant to know and experience as well. So Chris, this is all about leadership is changing and so forth. So how did you get into leadership? <laughs> I love this question, Dennis. And it's funny. Just, well, how'd you get into leadership? Here's why I love this question. I think... As simple as it is, it's so often misunderstood. I would have answered this question so differently uh -huh. 30 years ago, right? Because here you were, you were in the military, became a tank commander. You know, you're running and gunning, getting results, getting things done, leading. But as you and I both know, at that time, a lot of it was really positional leadership. What I thought was leadership. Mm. Probably when I look back at it, though, now I can't say, oh, I got into leadership as a you know, young soldier in the army and leading groups of people. I really didn't get into leadership until probably 15 years, maybe, you know, 15, 16 years ago, when someone handed me a copy of the book, Good to Great, which literally was the book that changed my thinking. And I thought, oh, wow, I've been doing this wrong. I've been achieving great results, but that's not leadership until I can help my teams begin to achieve great results. So what I thought was 30 years ago when I got into leadership really was a journey for me that began probably 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. And I think that's the key word that you just used there, right? which is it's a journey. And for listeners, it's not about you taking a red pill, a blue pill and da-da, you're the leader anymore. Right? Chris and I know that it does. it is a journey, right? And you are going to learn things and you're going to evolve over time and bring different things as well and different scenarios, different situations. But you're right. It's about an awareness of actually understanding what you bring to the table and then how do you take that and move forward? So really interesting to see. Mm. And I love the book, Good to Great. It's a great book, right? Absolutely. A classic, no doubt. A classic. And listeners, if you haven't read it already, we would highly recommend that you go and read Jim Collins's book, Good to Great. It's a, it's a wonderful book. And notice what Chris said. It helped him change his thinking. And be aware, listeners, as you go to read that book, it will change your thinking, but it's a wonderful one to, to check out for sure. Now, Chris, you may have several here, but I'm going to ask you to think about what's your one leader. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? <laughs> I, 
I know, you know, Dennis, we could probably rattle off some greats that we really think about. But funny enough, when I really think in my personal life of those that impacted me the most, and I know you say, who's your favorite? I would do a disservice if I didn't say the two people that really impacted me personally and professionally the most. The first really was my first sergeant when I was in the military because, in fact, I, I found him just a few years ago, right back before the day and age of social media, when I was in, in the eighties and the nineties. And, you know, we connected and hadn't spoken in years. And I told him, I said, I owe you so many things today that when I was a young guy and you'd ride my case, I probably was mad at you half the time for, and I did not know what you were helping me do, but he refused to allow me to perform at less than my potential was even if it was better than other people's around me, right? He said, you're better than this and I'm going to push you. I didn't appreciate it then. I'm so appreciative of it now. In my corporate career, when I transitioned, probably the greatest mentor I had was a VP of mine. And we still talk occasionally today who really helped me shift. Again, that shift in that mindset, as I talked about from understanding, hey, Chris, this is not about you. In fact, one day he actually said to me, Dennis, hey, Chris, this is not the army. Your employees do not have to come back to work tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I thought, what? I was mad when he said it. And then I said, oh my goodness, what a light bulb moment when I had to learn that, mm. yeah, they don't have to do this. They choose to follow us. And only when they choose to follow us, can we truly be leaders. Without their influence, there's no way I would be where I am today. Yeah. And that choice is really amazing. But you've mentioned a few times that word about mindset. And in, in my introduction of you to our listeners, we talk about the inbox ideas and concepts to achieving the out-of-the-box results. And I think a lot of the inbox is around the mindset. Would that be right? Oh, totally. It's the foundation. When I often talk to people about their map to achieving sustainable results, the M in my map is the mindset. If the mindset is not right, you've lost before you've taken the first step of the journey. Yeah, awesome. Now let's talk about mindset and it's something about you personally, because I got, I really admire what Chris has just done recently, listeners. He has gone and lost weight and he has gone and actually becoming this, what I call a corporate athlete, whereby he's done things. But a lot of that probably would have been around the mindset as well, Chris. Do you mind sharing? I mean, I've just already said to the listeners what's happened here, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's just a really, really important thing for us because I think a lot of leaders need to be in a position whereby they are fit, they're in a really good shape. Because I don't know many high-performing leaders who right. aren't, right? You know, Dennis, I was fit all my life. Again, you know, from the military time, always been an exercise guy, everything else. But, you know, unfortunately, just over a period of time, as you know, Dennis, we don't wake up, flip the switch and decide to do this. It creeps up on us, right? Yes. And I was so busy running our business, taking care of my parents who we were taking care of for a while. I mean, they're gone now, but we were doing all that. And, you know, funny enough, Melissa had shared some pictures with me one day. She said, oh, I took these pictures while you were up doing, I was doing a training. She's like, yeah, I thought you'd see these pictures I snapped of you while you were up there today. And I went, no, 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 <laughs> we're not putting that guy up on the website, right? And I <laughs> said, what the heck happened, right? I mean, it happened so slowly, you didn't even realize it happened. So yes, I made a decision that said, how am I going to encourage and challenge people to be high performers when I look at myself and say, am, am I being authentic and true to what I'm challenging them to do? And that was 70 pounds ago, right? This year I've dropped 70 pounds and I'm back to my ideal weight, back to what I was, you know, years ago, I'm back doing my 
insanity workouts and all those crazy things, but I feel better. I have more energy. And truly, I believe it helps me show up and serve my clients at a higher level as well. And I'm about to be a grandfather. Let me say this, Dennis. I'm about, Melissa and I are about to be grandparents. I know we can actually officially announce that now here soon. So our son and his wife are uh-huh. pregnant with our first grandbaby. And it's going to allow us to be present as they grow up as well. So, oh, oh man, that is so special. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 